I would definitely give birth to a baby right now. That's the stress <laughs> relief I need. Oh, God. <laughs> And that's a perfect cut right there. See, there's your intro banter right there. That's it. F*** you, Ian. I nailed it. Chicago, we'll say with our chest that of all the sports, soccer is the best. We're talking fire, the Red Stars, Premier League to boot. With Brady, Dave, and Herman, you might learn a thing or two, because we're the Windy City. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip across the pond for soccer all across the world. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined, as always, by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Ian is running things behind the boards, making us sound better and more intelligent than we really are. Thank you, Ian, for all that you do. Brad, Dave, how we doing today? All right. Good, good. Feeling All right would be an accurate way to describe this Monday. It is May 17th today. Uh, pretty gloomy outside, but I had a heck of a Monday. Indeed. I also got screwed by work today. So we're a little low yeah. energy. So I'm going to try and bring it up. Oh, yeah. Up energy. Lift it up, baby. Bring it up yeah. before it gets brought right back down. Don't do <laughs> that, Dave. The no, Dave. Come on. Come on. Somebody save me. <laughs> so, Brad, you play soccer recreationally, uh, and your team has now played two games since things are coming back from COVID. So how are you feeling after two games of soccer? And are you feeling ready for tomorrow? Because you play on Tuesdays, right? Yes, I will be playing tomorrow. I feel better than I do before I felt before games one and two. So that's good. Okay. A little bit more confident, a little bit more fit. Uh, and the, the lower back soreness is slowly faded away. So oh, hoping I wake good. up tomorrow to no lower back pain. And then I'll feel like I'm in my 20s again, which, by the way, I am still. <laughs> <laughs> Hang yeah. on. Just hang and, uh, <laughs> But I feel like you kind of went from standing to sprinting with physical yeah, activity. There, there so is the body is like, hey, I really enjoyed sitting in chairs most of the time. And now what you're doing is sprinting. So why what? does it have to be the opposite extreme? <laughs> Why are we doing this? <laughs> and you're like, because I love the sport more than anything in the world. Indeed. Shouts to you. Good luck. Godspeed, sir. And Dave, thank you. Big day for the Cubs. Uh, John Lester's returning to Wrigley as well as uh, Schwarber, but they're both in Washington Nats jerseys. On a scale of one to ten, how sad are you that you're missing this game, that game, to record this podcast? 
I'm not too sad, you know, to be honest with you guys, you know, I had it on the background when we were discussing like the, how we were going to approach this podcast and everything. So I got to see uh, the Cubs start uh, kicking some butt here. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's super weird to see John Lester in an Nats jersey, same with Schwarber, uh, but they gave standing O's and now we're yep. kicking John Lester's butt. So as expected. So yeah. I asked Sid before the game started, do you, because she knows Cubs fans better than I do. Do you think they're going to applaud? I thought they're for sure going to applaud Lester. You got to. But are they going to applaud or are they going to boo Schwarber? And she said, no, they'll applaud. They'll applaud. And I, Mm -hmm. I, the Twins have never won. No Minnesota team has won a championship in my lifetime. So I -hmm. don't know what that does to a fan base. But like, if you are a player on a team that won a championship, and then you leave that team anytime you come back, as long as you left on okay terms, I feel like yeah. you're going to get an applause because yeah. that, that fan base remembers what you did for them that year. You'd I have to do that was cool. Cubs fans, you have to appreciate <laughs> yeah. exactly especially, <laughs> especially that World Series. <laughs> You'd have to do something really sinister, like decide not to sign a really nice contract with the Cubs and then go play yeah. for the Sox or the Cardinals. So Or yeah. badmouth yeah, the team or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or threaten to join a new Super League. That might do it, too. That might do Ooh. it. <laughs> nice. Boy, nice. people riding inside your stadium. All right. Switching gears, MLS soccer. Let's take a look. First things first, we need to discuss the boys up north. Mm. The black birds of Minnesota. I guess they're black and white with those piercing red eyes. Black birds with Voldemort eyes. Devil the loons here oh. of Minnesota got not one but two victories. God, this I wonder past what that's week. like. <laughs> Bam! Back to back victories meant a lot for the fan base, meant a lot for the team. The first one came Wednesday, May 12th, 1-0 against Vancouver. Someone get Tyler Miller a raise. The goalkeeper for the Loons had, I like, the Loons won that game, but Vancouver should have put a few of those goals away. They had a lot of opportunities. Tyler Miller saved that game for the Loons, which is what you should do as the goalkeeper. But I was thoroughly impressed with him. So, um, and standing the, on his head, they would say, you know. Yeah, baby. Standing on his head. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the one goal came from a nice header um, from Abila, which came from a great cross from Ludd. Uh, it was fun, a fun watch. Saturday, May 15th, was the other victory. They won one nil over FC Dallas. Uh, this was a tie game all the way. Um, and Ludd put it away in the 94th minute, uh, made a goal happen to give them the victory. As I said, that, that victory over FC Dallas was huge, uh, for the loons. You could see it in their celebration. And I mean, any team is happy to win a game, but winning two in a row after the start they had really meant a lot to them. I am confused, though. Why did the Loons play twice this week? That's pretty typical for when you have a midweek game. Typically, there there will then be another game during the following weekend. Uh, I don't know why the Fire didn't do that, except for they played on Thursday. So maybe that's why. Uh, But you had a Wednesday, Saturday. That's pretty typical of soccer. A lot of times the midweek game will be a cup, but the MLS has a bunch of regular season games. 
Did the loons not play last weekend? Sure. The, I'm not sure. J- uh, like me c- out here. <laughs> so, okay. So the, the, the reason it's throwing me off is when I look at other MLS teams records, at, at least as of right now, the loons have played one more game than most teams. But are you saying that throughout the season, like the fire will have a week where they have a Wednesday game and then they have a Saturday game and right. it just, that's just the way the schedule works. And that's just what it is. Exactly. Yep. It seems a little odd to me, but it's more soccer. It's yeah. fine. That's more of a an acceptable thing for soccer schedules is they kind of feel like teams have their own journeys throughout this whole season and they try to make it fair. But in the end, every team is going to have their own very specific schedule, especially as we're getting out of this pandemic. They've had to do a lot of very specific, like just filling in pieces here and there. Moving over to the fire. They were not so fortunate. Went down to DC United, Uh, zero to one. They played last Thursday, May 13th. This was not a very fun game to watch. However, one, one piece of shining light in this dark den of a team right now. Right. We did start a 17-year-old at attacking mid, and he <laughs> interchanged with Madron as far as being attacking mid and outside mid, and their interchange was fun. Uh, no, not too many spoilers, but this was about the only good thing for the fire in this game. Mm-hmm. It was. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And the fire got off to a poor start pretty quick. Flores puts a goal in for DC United in the seventh minute very early on uh, just did not look promising for Chicago fire. Yeah, it was a bummer because uh, Sekulich actually intercepted a pass that could have completely broken up this play at the beginning, but he just doesn't cleanly trap the ball or boot it out of trouble. And Nyman comes in, uh, takes advantage of the mistake by Sekulich and uh, finds Perez on the left wing, takes the ball down to the line, but, uh, he outpaces Almsberg as well while that's happening. And um, nobody plays uh, man-to-man with Flores. And so he's wide open in the middle of the box. And, then you know, so Perez just has to kind of loft it up to him and he puts an easy header into the back of the net. It, it was a pretty simple goal. Uh, just another example of uh, questionable defense. And I think that's about all we have to talk about in this one. Um, yeah, seven yeah, minutes in, we're just done. So That's the analysis. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. this goal just seriously destroyed the Fire's moxie. It came out looking okay, and I was excited about this game. I think DC is a beatable team right now. And just the, the defending here is terrible, and you could see it coming. You could see the people who were open and standing there yeah. and open, and the header itself isn't even that amazing of a header it's just when you have that much space and time the fire made this look so easy for dc and that's a major problem so not great yeah and then in the 20th minute uh they almost double their lead with a aggressive shot um from the left side of the box uh he, he just absolutely bangs this one and and fortunately for the fire he hits the post and we are able to kind of stay in the game at this point uh and then as 
Brady mentioned, Gutierrez has 10 minutes of really good looks uh, from the 30th to the 40th minutes. Um, the first one was in tight space where he kind of slices a ball that, you know, was hopping into in the box. And, and unfortunately, he's not able to score from it. And then the really close attempt was a shot off the, the left post. Um, you know, that would have changed the composure of the game for sure. I, especially with somebody that young scoring a goal, I think the fire would have rallied behind it. But unfortunately, they weren't close enough. And that's about it for the first half for me because it was just depressing. <laughs> Yeah, it was not not a ton of fun. Gutierrez was the best part of that first half for the fire, even though he does run like a 17-year-old who is still learning how to use his <laughs> large, lanky body. It just it yeah. reminded me of before I grew into my body and going through puberty. It's like tr- trying to play sports was just impossible because I didn't know how to use any of it. And he's way better at soccer than I'll ever be at any sport. So shouts to him. Good first start. I thought. Yep. Definitely a good first start. As we move into the second half, I thought the fire started this half and actually this half was much better on the whole. And it was a very much a look at this is the kind of pressing. This is the kind of in your face that wiki wants to play. Uh, and I think it's taking advantage of the fact that DC kind of fell into their own shell. They play with a three back, which very quickly becomes a five back. So they they allowed us to get back into the game as well as the fire just played better in the second half. Right. So let's get into it. I don't have too much to say. Like the both both sides had some really decent chance, chances, but I wasn't uh, wasn't overly impressed with a lot of the efforts. Like like you said, Brady, like they kind of came back into their shell. They got their one goal and with the fire, not scoring goals over the past few weeks, you know, that was perfect for them. So I don't know, like first look on how, when you're analyzing the fires defense, the second half, it's like, Oh, you know, they didn't mess up, but if you know, the attacking pressure wasn't there from them at the time, I don't know if you can really be excited about what the fire did in the second half. Um, the one point for me was at the end of the game, um, Frankowski crosses one into the box for Herbers, and Herbers unfortunately hits the top of the post and goes over the net, but it was very close and almost an equalizer. And, you know, any point at this point would have been better than nothing. So it was, it was depressing. <laughs> that would have been amazing. It would have made us feel just that much better. I am okay, actually, with the fact that we end up losing this game because we really need to fix these weird defensive mistakes that just continuously happen right now just needs to be fixed. Uh, When you look at the actual stats of this game, there weren't a ton of chances created. DC created 1.2 expected goals and got their one. The Fire actually created a better 1.6 expected goals, but didn't get their one. So perhaps we deserved an away draw, but that is so far away from solving our problems right now. So to my eyes, the fire just looked like they got flat out beat by a team that just wanted it more because DC United, as Brady said, is a beatable team right now. I don't think that they're more talented than the fire are. I don't, I didn't see either team out scheme the other one more consistently throughout the game, but there were multiple times where the fire just looked like they just didn't want to win the ball. And I don't know 
is this a coaching issue? I I don't have a good answer to that question. Because I don't think that desire can be coached. I think yeah. desire is just part of what's in you. I think confidence is a very interesting thing to talk about in soccer because you are you general you are just a more complete player if you believe I'm getting to this ball and when I get to this ball I'm going to do something great with it whereas no one on the fire can possibly think that internally right now everything's going against you constantly and then you decide well I'm not going to turn into this situation because it seems a little bit more dangerous than maybe just doing a simple back pass here or something like that and that's what soccer ends up translating to you end up being more negative than you might be and it's just a confidence thing more than it is even a strategical tactical thing and so expectancy theory is the theory that employees will behave or perform uh, to what they think is the most likely uh, expected event. Meaning if they believe that we can do this thing, they will work hard and accomplish it. And it's meant for workplace employees. However, I think it applies in the situation where it seems like the fire has been taken out of the fire. They just don't really look like they believe that they're going to win that ball and they're going to win the game overall, which in my mind, the reason I ask, is it a coaching issue is because I think it is. I know that you can't coach desire, but the coach's responsibility is to motivate the team, get them aligned, get them moving, give them the confidence to go out there and win the game. And the fire don't have that right now. So it may not be a coaching issue. There may be more going on, but is Wiki's butt a little hot right now? Is he in the hot seat a little bit with a team playing this poorly? It's very early in the season, but uh, I don't think the fire finished last year particularly strong, if I'm not mistaken. This makes uh, it 11 games in a row without a win. I guess he's probably sweating a little bit, you know, at this point, but... A little hot butt. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say a little bit, but oh I don't know. There's still a lot of season left. Um, obviously, sure. there's already conversation that they've hit a point where we can't possibly qualify for the playoffs, which is super pessimistic, but they really, yeah. really do need to turn it around. And I think like the personnel is a partial problem, but it's also like how much of a is it a team decision to have the leaders on the team as who they are, or is it wiki's decision because that's kind of where my head's at like the leadership on the field is very confusing to me yes i think that's a very good question i think salaries so the salary information got uh, released this past week and the fire are in the top quarter the top 25 percent of highest salary that i thought it was the opposite and i thought we are really going with youth and that is not the case so that really is concerning to me. Yes. That's terrible news. Yes. <laughs> also Jimenez was pulled in this game because he was bad and Javier Casas has to come in and spell him in this game and was better than Jimenez. So just not, not a good situation when you're DP, a player that we're going to rely upon to bring us to another level is rock bottom at his own personal level right now. It's not good. I saw some images once the salaries got released and he actually qualified for, I think the starting 11 of most expensive 
like players too in the MLS. So that's not good. <laughs> and he's a quality player. We've seen yeah. it. We've talked about it. And I think these past two games have been blatant examples of it's not good. It's not as solid. He isn't. I don't know if it's just people around him aren't where he expects them to be, or if he just has no idea where he himself is expected to be. So we're disappointed. We're worried. Are we inching closer to that panic button? Have you have you gently pushed it at all? It's it's available. It's there to be pushed. <laughs> okay. I'd say much like uh, Wiki's butt right now, I'm starting to drip some sweat onto the panic <laughs> button. But you know, like that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Apt. Got it. Apt. What will be very interesting is, and we'll touch base on this a little bit later on, is if the Fire can win their next game, how quickly a lot of that goes away. A win fixes everything in sports. Um, So it'll be interesting again next week. We'll see how we're feeling. Staying in Chicago, moving over to the ladies of soccer. Chicago Red Stars this week, also not very fortunate in their game. (laughs) Uh, Played the Portland Thorns, lost 5-0. to Not good. (laughs) I don't even really want to analyze this one. I mean, to sum it up, they gave up four goals in 30 minutes, and then Julie Ertz was subbed out with a knee injury in the 29th minute, which is terrifying. And um, as of my last, as of the last time I checked, they were still waiting the results of the MRI. Uh, I didn't have anything pop up at this moment. Didn't look good. Not good for not only the Red Stars, but uh, the U.S. Women's National Team as well. So, right, not not great. One thing that I thought was really cool this game was the goalie um, from the Portland Thorns French. Uh, she just had some really cool awareness. She intercepted a pass in the box around the 16th minute. She kind of popped up right away and just launches one um, to Sinclair, who was like cutting down the field. And um, she finds Smith to the left and they just like she slips it into the back of the net. And it, it was just a beautiful, quick, like fast break style goal and just really cool awareness from a goalie. The Red Stars were really sleeping here. Um, it, it didn't look great, but it was also just really smart moves by the Portland Thorn. Agreed at the intelligence of Portland. This is the second time we've seen a goalkeeper punt bounce, though, and I don't like that. So that's something we need to probably fix quickly. One of the problems also that I saw was these were, the, especially the first four goals, were implosion, self-debilitating type of errors and the goals come from that it wasn't anything that portland created really it was what the red stars did to themselves now to that end Mm. portland are very very good lindsey haran is one of my favorite players in the league she just makes everything in soccer look so easy and then crystal dunn is basically a better version of latif blessing so latif blessing plays on lafc uh, in the MLS, and he is nominally a winger. But then Bob Bradley said, you're fast and you're smart, so I'm going to put you in center mid. And so now you've just got a super speedy guy who just covers a bunch of ground. Well, here's Crystal Dunn, who you could definitely play at winger, and she can score goals and attack, except she's really smart and will bump you off the ball. So he puts, uh, so Portland has her in the midfield, just running around, winning things. I thought it was really effective. She's very good. And I think they are a, a front runner for this NWSL season. So look out for them. 
But the Red Stars need to just wipe their hands, clap their cleats clean, and forget about this one. Because on Saturday, May 22nd, we have the New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, 7 p.m. Central, home opener for the Red Stars. Very pumped. I will not be there because I will be at the fire game, unfortunately. Fortunately, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about the fire game. But uh, looking forward to the home opener for the Red Stars. It will be pretty awesome, I think. We'll have to see if we could do a doubleheader sometime this summer yes. where we could have a really early fire game and then run over to Bridgeview and watch the yes. Red Stars. That'd be really cool. Love that idea. Game of the week. The game that we picked last week to watch was San Jose versus Portland. Portland came away with the victory 2 nil. This was a game of two very different styles, which is why we picked it as our game of the week to have you watch along with us so that Brady can discuss those two styles and have people listen to him when he talks about them. So yes. Brad, specifically, here's your so stage, break yes. it down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so San Jose use a man marking system. One of their own center backs, Alanis, in this game, uh, is a free sweeper. So he doesn't mark someone, but the rest of the team, whenever the ball turns over, locks onto the opponent that's nearest to you, and that is your mark. And you follow them around until they lose possession. Uh, It's very labor-intensive and very combative. If you lose your battle, you will most likely end up losing the game. So that is just how San Jose want to play the game, just in your face and it's a different style than the Red Bulls but a similar outcome they want to play in transition moments they want to score goals when you're at your most vulnerable Portland play just about every game like they're away from home they'll permit the opponents to have the ball play very tight defensively and then they've got super talented attackers that when you're on the counter 1v1 1v2 2v2 they are ready to beat you in small sided situations and Portland came out really aggressive in this game. They had the ball initially and seemed to be attacking San Jose's net very early on. And Jimmy Chara scores in the first, uh, in the first five minutes of the game in the fifth minute to put Portland up super early. I just, they, they swarmed uh, to San Jose's net so early in this game. I was kind of blown away to see that. Yeah, Jimmy Chara did a good job of getting behind Jackson Ewell, um, and he ends up chipping it over the keeper. Uh, thought it was really good movement by Chara, and it was a really nice finish as well. Uh, I also kind of thought that Ewell shouldn't have let Chara get behind him, though. Then that's just like my initial instinct and take on it. Uh, but this is down to the style of San Jose. So Portland won a clearance here. That's how they got the ball back. And then Ewell got close to his man, which was number seven, closer to the half line than he was to his own box. Uh, Number seven, Andy Polo on Portland. However, Eric Rometty gets smoked by Williamson, and Eric Rometty is marking Williamson. So as soon as Williamson bypasses him with the ball, now the entire San Jose, Jose team needs to react to that. And so Youngworth has to leave Chara to react. Ewell is now recovering to get back to Chara. And he just doesn't have the time. Really, this is a nice play by Williamson, and Rometty can't get beat that easily. Yeah. A big takeaway from the first half was just like San Jose was controlling the ball possession. Um, 
and they just aren't able to find the back of the net with any of their like movements. Um, they weren't maybe playing direct enough with that possession. Yeah, there's a chance of that. Uh, they used uh, overlapping fullbacks very aggressively, and they were happy to cross the ball. And I honestly, Portland's going to be pretty happy with that as well. As long as you're not playing through them, they'll feel like they can win those crosses. But I was just impressed with the amount of people that San Jose were pouring into the box on those crosses. It was four to five attackers were in there in the box, uh, which is pretty interesting. And I don't know if that is just because they were down a goal immediately or that's as aggressive as they normally play. But as far as this game, it made it fascinating. And I just like to point out that Kate Cowell is good. Uh, another 17-year-old Caden running around in the MLS, uh, attacking and scoring goals. He's super fun to watch. He has the possible assist of the season so far, uh, and he's super fast, and I'm very excited to see him on the U.S. national team in the future, and that is way too soon to be talking about that. I am well aware. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And then just to kind of like sum up the stats, uh, at least as far as ESPN's stats came in, uh, San Jose actually had 72% of the possession. Um, I don't know. I thought they were, despite not scoring, they were really fun to watch, like just move the ball around. And mm-hmm. I think they can be a fun team as they grow this season. I think they'll be a really good watch. Um, but what was kind of funny though, too, is despite all that possession, both teams had the same amount of shots on goal. Um, yep. So so San Jose just really wasn't efficient with their time spent with the ball at their feet. Yep. Moving into the second half, obviously San Jose had the had the possession for the majority of the game as well as in that second half. Wando has a big opportunity early, comes up short. Yeah, uh, they were given a penalty kick based stuff up all the hit uh, one, one of the Timbers arms in the box and he just completely misses. Well, I shouldn't say completely misses, but I just felt like he didn't put enough power behind his shot into the lower right-hand corner. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, it's a fine pen. I think he got a pen saved. It was right at the corner, but yes, it didn't look didn't, a little weak. He did look a little weak. Hard. You're right. It you're looked right. a little weak. It looked like I don't know. It just looks slow, like to Dribbler, me. I don't worm know. Burner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> you know what? Shout out to Logan Ketterer. He's on loan from the USL in El Paso. <laughs> He's an MLS rookie. That's true. Great save. I'm totally okay with that. And, uh, you know, Wando's old. <laughs> he is old. Way to go, Logan. We're all cheering for you. <laughs> in the 74th minute, Portland strikes again. Loria puts it in, putting it all but out of reach for San Jose. Yeah. Uh, Mora ended up settling a ball that was popped up in the box to his chest. Um, he was at the top of the box at that time, kicks it out to Williamson again, who uh, picks out Loria at the far posts uh, for an easy header. And that was Williamson's second assist if we're following along there. So he is having a pretty good game. Yes. He is a baller one. And like three years ago, we hadn't heard of this person. So good for Eric Williamson. Uh, he absolutely was the best player in this game. And he was supposed to be the deepest lying midfielder for Portland. Uh, but he chose his spot, his spots to get forward so effectively. He feels like he can run past anyone. He did it multiple times in this game and his passing was on point. He had 88% passing su- uh, success. He had the most duels in the game with 16 and he won those at a 54% clip. That is a fantastic game for a midfielder. 
just one more thing in the 80th minute, uh, Wondolowski almost uh, scores on a header. And he, I don't know, he's always just a threat, even if though he's old, as we were saying. But unfortunately, in this case, he ends up creating like he didn't even create space. He ends up being completely open. <laughs> Um, because they're not following him. Everybody thinks the play is dead and he's past the play, but he ends up coming back and has his body going against the momentum like towards goal. So he doesn't have any power on this header, but he, he still puts it on target and puts it in a really threatening spot. So I just think he's a shark still, even though he's super old. So yeah, it's fun to watch him. him. But he'll get multiple <laughs> yeah. more goals this season. He is yeah. so good at specifically just getting lost. You can see him, he's there, and then he's gone. It's amazing. So aftermath from that game, it was a one-sided scoring event, I would say, even though San Jose had the ball for the majority of the game. But overall, Brad, did you get the two-sided, two-different-style game oh, that you were looking for in this game of the week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that it was absolutely <laughs> what I wanted to see, what I expected to see. And Portland are going to win games like that. They're going to win games with batting down the hatches at the end, San Jose coming downhill. And you know what? We're just going to defend for our lives at times and we'll score on you enough that it will work. That's their whole plan. <laughs> And speaking of Brady analyzing and getting what he wants out of a soccer game, it is time for another Brady's tactical session. This week, we're going to be covering sixes, eights, nines, tens, the numbers of soccer. I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about all of these numbers. So I'm definitely tuning in this week because I want you to break all these things down Brad, take it away. That's great that you don't normally listen, but this week you will be. I, I didn't say that. No, <laughs> I didn't say that. You're putting words in my mouth. I'm just paying extra close attention this week. So you're welcome. Love it. Well, <laughs> we'll start with a history lesson. Picture this. It's 1920. We're playing with a leather ball. Offside, offside is dictated by two defenders instead of one. So it's a totally different rule. The style is changing, but it's still ancient soccer. We're playing mostly direct, and if you can imagine a wedge, like the uh, a kickoff return used to be allowed in the NFL, uh, basically that was a strategy in soccer at this point, was if you had the ball, your players couldn't get in front of you and kind of be a shield. So we're talking about <laughs> soccer in this way. <laughs> Sweet. The 2-3-5 is the prevailing formation just across soccer worldwide. And here comes Herbert Chapman. He takes over control of a little team called Huddersfield Town. He is the first manager to be given control of all footballing affairs, including a reserve and third team. So he's in control of all three of these teams. He's one of the first, or one of the first we talk about, to have a distinct style to him. And he thought that teams often attack for too long and with too many people. And it makes them vulnerable to counterattacks. So I'm going to go ahead and just counterattack the heck out of you. And he used his reserve teams as a plug and play through his numbering system. So here come the numbers and where they come from as far as soccer. So we're going to move upward through the formation like we normally do. And then the positions are numbered from right to left. So you start with number one is the goalkeeper. And then we have our two, they're called fullbacks at this point because they are the furthest back down the field. So that's two and three are our defenders or fullbacks. 
four, five, and six are the halfbacks and are largely unused at this point because, again, it's very direct. Let's get the ball forward and we'll deal with the consequences later. So four and five kind of become oblique backs. They kind of become, well, we're up in the attack, winning things and being strong and aggressive when we can be. But as soon as the ball goes over our head defensively, we're going all the way back. So that's kind of what four and five became. And then number six was the true kind of midfielder. And then we're going to finish up with our five forwards at the top of the formation. Starting at the right uh, uh, wide is number seven. A little bit more inside is number eight. And then at center forward is the number nine. Inside left is number 10. And all the way out wide is number 11 uh, on the left. So with this style, with this plug and play, he won the FA Cup in the first full season he took over in 1921 and 1922. He was third in the league the following season in 22 and 23. And then he won the league in 23-24. And then the most significant, he did not concede more than two goals in a game and won the league in 24 and 25. So now it's 1925. The offside rule has changed to just one defender. So it's the offside rule we now know and hate or love. Sorry. Uh, and Chapman now takes over Arsenal. Chapman wanted to be more solid defensively and think counter, remember. So he comes up with the WM formation. We'll start by looking at the forwards this time. So we're going to take those five forwards that are kind of in a line, and then we're going to drop the number eight and number 10 just in behind them. So if you look at your piece of paper in front of you, it now looks like a W. The eight now became a box-to-box -box midfielder, kind of control a lot of the midfield. And then the number 10's job was to link between that midfielder and those forwards up top. Moving back down the field defensively, the number five, who was the middle halfback, if you will, dropped in between the fullbacks, the two and three. So now the fullbacks get pushed out wide. So that's where we come up with this, these fullbacks that go up and down the full length of the field. Now they're more known for that outside recognition, if you will. That leaves number four and six in the midfield. So now we have a three, two as far as our defense and midfield, and it kind of looks like an M. So we have our WM formation. Uh, the way that he put his team together, numbers four and five were pretty interchangeable because they were kind of center backy if you will. And number six was his true defensive midfielder. So that's where the number six becomes the defensive sort of playmaker, but really controls the midfield from his own half. And then the four and five become those halfbacks that are really just center backs that their job is to defend. Now, I want to get into a little bit of Arsenal's early deviance as a club because Herbert Chapman took over Arsenal. He didn't even really want to. He wanted to go into engineering and make a bunch of money. Instead, Arsenal, who was crap but very rich, paid him nicely to be their manager. Bolton wanted a record transfer fee for their talented attacker, David Jack, and Arsenal wanted this player. So Chapman arrives at the hotel that he was going to meet with the Bolton representatives. He arrives at the hotel a half an hour early and goes to the bar. He, he tells the waiter, uh, bribe in hand, George, this is my assistant. He will drink whiskey and dry ginger. I will drink gin and tonic. We shall be joined by guests. They will drink whatever they like. See that our guests are given double of everything, but my glass and my friends here will not contain a drop of liquor. They got David Jack way under value. Arsenal cheats again. 
Uh, yes, Brady giving subliminal history facts slowly, <laughs> <laughs> just to make you hate Arsenal without knowing it. So, <laughs> but that's some of the history of the numbers. So the number six yeah. being your deep lying playmaker, the number eight being more of a box to box type, and the number ten being your just kind of playmaking underneath that number nine, who is your center forward striker, and that's where all those numbers come from. That's really thank cool. you, Brad. Great yeah, history. that actually is. I love that Arsenal story also. That is great. Yeah, that's no, awesome. That is so great. soccer. Too. <laughs> it's very cool. Very smart too. So. Yep. Yep. Kind of sketch, Absolutely. but smart. <laughs> Good to know actually though, where those numbers come from, because talking to you, watching soccer with you, when you do get into the numbers and I'm not talking about stats, but when you mm. say they're eights, Oh no, that it, nope. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, but it's similar to basketball. If you say, well, they don't really have a guy that can play the four. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that means, then you're just lost in that conversation. So good information. Thank you very much for breaking that down, Brad. You are welcome. Golf clap for you. Well done. Moving over to the EPL. English Premier League Soccer. We're going to go with Brad, your team first. Tottenham Hotspur. This week, they played and beat the Wolves. Yeah, I got a W. Kane scores, so yay for the golden boot race. I'd like to see him win it, but it also just makes me so worried every time he (laughs) scores. (laughs) Like, no, Kane! I can't even enjoy it. Uh, But yeah, this team is playing free. They played really well. And it's just, it's such a wonder to what happened to this season. And I went in thinking I was really confident and Marino's going to bring us trophies and, you know, back to the drawing board. Uh, Hopefully we keep Kane. I would love to see that, but I'm just losing confidence in that every game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a weird spot to be in at that point. So it's like, you're, you, you are sixth in the table. You're not that far away, but like, you're not really hoping a top four finish isn't really achievable at this point. Um, and things are just not quite right with everything with the team. So it's weird. Yay, we won. But overall, I don't know what's going on. So been there before. I empathize. Congrats on the win, though. Yeah, real quick, too, I just wanted to point out that, you know, we're at this point of the season where this always happens with Kane. So, Brady, you might be okay, actually. Too. Yeah, I feel you know, like, you know, I'm I feel like this worried. is always the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you'll be okay. Looking on the bright side, Dave. I like that. Yes. And speaking of you, Dave, Liverpool this week, big game against Man U. Yeah. Yeah, we beat them in the Northwest Derby. So that was huge. Uh, you know, Liverpool kind of looked rough early, uh, but I would say the the goal that they let up early was unfortunate for Phillips. Um, it came in and it started looking like it was going to bend into the far post. So he puts his knee up and unfortunately he connects with it and puts it in the back of the net. And, you know, they interviewed him after the game. He's like, what are you going to do? Like, I thought there was a chance it was going to go in anyway. So I tried to react to it and I was too slow and he's a big, tall, lanky guy. So it, you know, it just wasn't a quick enough reaction. He didn't have enough time. Life um, of a center back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're only remembered if you do something awesome pretty much. And, ridiculed for everything else so yeah <laughs> uh uh Firmino actually had a huge game you know for a guy who is the number nine quote unquote but 
is more of a <laughs> false nine. He actually scored two goals. So there you go. Um, it was huge. Uh, and he had this beautiful header off like a set piece that it was just incredible. Um, and just kind of amped up everybody. And then, uh, Salah had a goal in this game as well, uh, towards the end of the game in the 90th minute. Uh, so he was keeping pace with Kane. Uh, it's those two running for the race for the golden boot. Um, and they are at 22 goals each going into this final week of games. Uh, real quick too, Liverpool also played West Brom. Salah got a second goal, which was the one that put him even with Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Allison, the goalie, saves Liverpool at the death of the game. It was the 95th minute. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it saved the freaking season. Like, it, it, it was <laughs> wild. Like, they brought him up there. And a lot of times you start kind of scratching your head like, well, you know, why not just have him kind of at the at, at the halfway point and can chip the ball back in but you know they brought him into the box um and he gets a clean header like nobody manned him up probably because they thought he was the like the least likely to put in the back of the net so yeah (laughs) it's pretty crazy and um it it is it's a wild story because allison has had a rough year like both on the pitch and off like he lost his father two months ago and then he also uh just hasn't has some had some really sloppy performances earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So this was huge for him and he dedicated the goal to his dad. Um, so I don't know, despite them barely beating West Brom by an insane goal from a goalie at the end of it, I wouldn't bet against Liverpool at this point. Although I have been very optimistic about Liverpool for the last month and they still have d- disappointed me. Uh, that draw <laughs> against Newcastle is still a knife in the ribs pretty much yeah. because if you beat them there, this is a much more interesting conversation, but the fact that Leicester city and Chelsea play each other midweek is huge for them. And, you know, I think it, if Chelsea's too focused on the champions league final that Liverpool can sneak in here and take fourth. So it's going to be good. <laughs> I am secretly rooting for that, Dave. I think, I think that'd be a lot of fun, <laughs> but I think it'd be more fun if, Chelsea actually end up winning the Champions League too. So <laughs> just to deprive City of that accomplishment would be fantastic. So <laughs> hate. Yeah. <laughs> There's no pettiness in this group at all. <laughs> Other things that happened in the world of soccer. Big doings, the FA Cup, Leicester City versus Chelsea. Yeah, this was an exciting game, uh, and Leicester City come away 1-0 victors, uh, but it was not that simple. Uh, fans were in the stands, which is awesome, and was truly... Love it. It made the game so much better, and mm-hmm. boy, have I missed seeing fans in the stands. Now, <laughs> I hope the on-field mic stayed just as hot, because that's been wonderful to hear all the nonsense on the field, uh, but have the fans in the stands for this game was super important. I think for England as a whole, but for this tournament, for these teams, it was truly wonderful to watch. Uh, I do hate Chelsea, but they debuted next year's (laughs) kit, which looks pretty sweet. So I will give them that. In the 65th minute, Tielmans goes top shelf. He was the best player in this game, deserved the goal. It was kind of a weird strike because he goes across his body, and I don't think he really... It didn't look like he hit it that hard, but boy, did it scream off his boot and right in the top corner. So that was fantastic. Chelsea almost tie the game up, but we're offside by an armpit 
and VAR strikes again, but it would have brought this game to extra time. It would have been totally nuts, but happy for Leicester with the FA Cup win. Just absolutely great for them, and RIP to their late owner. Uh, it just, I feel good for them, and, you know, the, it was the better team won this game as well, which makes me feel good, too. Uh, staying in England, uh, just want to do a quick, a quick table talk, uh, with two games left. Uh, so the champions league spots are still wide open. It's, it's a really close race between Leicester, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Um, just to give you guys like a points, like a uh, perspective with the goal differential as well. Leicester city is at 66 points with a goal diff- differential of 21. Uh, Chelsea is at 64 points with a goal differential of 22. And then Liverpool is at 63 points with a goal differential of 21 as well. So basically if Liverpool went out and like Chelsea gets a draw there, uh, Chelsea's then in the hot seat, or especially if they get a loss, then like Liverpool can outscore them at that point. Um, And Chelsea has, like I said, a lot going on at this part of the season two with the champions league final looming against city, um, yeah, Leicester city being drop points. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Tuchel has a lot of interesting decisions to make, especially after losing, uh, the FA cup. It, it, it's going to be very interesting where it goes from there for him just because of, um, his fallout with, uh, PSG and not winning the champions league. I wonder if he's really focusing on that right now. So, could be. We'll kind of see what happens. Uh, and then just, uh, I, I am going to stay in England a little bit longer too. So Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United have all lost. Um, yeah, so they're all gone. And I'm pretty sure, Brady, you and I successfully predicted those three, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to have to rewind the tapes. Back, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but I think we were pretty close, especially you. I don't know if I had Sheffield United, but you said Sheffield United is definitely going to drop from and fall from the graces. So... <laughs> Good on you. Uh, real quick, I'm going to hop over to the championship, though, which is the league right below the EPL. Uh, right now, Watford and Norwich City have qualified automatically to come up to the EPL and take two of those three spots. But in the championship, there is a playoff for the final spot for the teams from third to sixth place. Uh, and right now, those teams are Bournemouth, Brentford, Barnsley, and Swansea. Uh, Bournemouth is up uh, 1-0 against Brentford uh, on aggregate, and Barnsley is down nil to one against Swansea. Uh, I am secretly praying for Barnsley to come back and win in the second leg because we have Daryl DK, uh, the U.S. men's national team player. So that's my uh, preference. But if you want to watch some really exciting soccer um, outside of the EPL on this Sunday, which is when all the last games happen. There are games right before a game, right before and a game right after uh, for these playoff games, second legs, and it'll determine who goes to the final in Wembley and who gets that final spot. Basically they, they go to Wembley, which is like a huge, a huge game. It's a big, they usually sell out a full crowd if uh, you know, it's COVID's not going on, but I would imagine they'd have a really large capacity Mm -hmm. after the FA cup final. It'll be very exciting to, to see who locks up that last place. Uh, so jumping now to La Liga real quick, I'm going to run through all the really close races at this point. So in La Liga, uh, we have a, a tight finish between Atletico and, and Real Madrid. Uh, they are two points uh, separated at this point. Um, so if, let's say, uh, 
Atletico Madrid gets a draw in the final game, but uh, Real Madrid win. Uh, right now, Atletico Madrid has a goal differential of 41, and Real Madrid has uh, 38. So it is very possible that even if Atletico gets a draw and they might think that they're safe on goal differential, if Real Madrid really runs up the score, they're in trouble. So they were best off just winning it and not messing around. But That's we awesome. will see what happens. Um Syria, uh, as we mentioned, Inter Milan locked it up, but there is a really tight race for the final Champions League spot. Right now, Juventus is not um, in that final fourth spot. They're in the Europa League, which would just be uh, really crazy because the Ronaldo, yeah, (laughs) not only that, but then you got the Ronaldo exit rumors. So it's just, it's crazy. So um, we'll mention there's one game with really significant impact that we are going to highlight as the game of the week in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in Liga 1 in France, little drop points this week. Uh, so now PSG is only a point behind. And actually Monaco comes back into play, but the goal differential kind of elimin- eliminates them. So it doesn't really matter unless... Unless PSG loses and Monaco absolutely annihilates the team that they play this week, like seven to nil, it doesn't matter. <laughs> PSG um, with a fifty-six goal differential, man, yeah, they've been yeah. killing teams. And yeah, they second have. Place. I mean, they're the one team that is clearly above everybody else. But you know, it's it's just fun to see a dark horse like Lil just still hanging on. And if they just win, they could put it to bed, and and it'd be fun. It'd be a really fun story to see. Timmy Wea, to too. Yeah, Timmy exactly, Wea. exactly. And then just a shout-out to the Bundesliga. They actually have their uh, Champions League spots locked up. Uh, Bayern obviously ran away with the title, but Leipzig oh. and Dortmund and Wolfsburg <laughs> all locked up their spots as well. So Look at that goal differential for Bayern. Yeah. Wolf. Yeah. They're also another, another team where it's just – them in a competition by themselves normally and then let's see who falls behind them so (laughs) but that's the roundup for this week guys love it thank you dave love it yeah so much happening this weekend in soccer oh i did not know about the uh this year it's burnmouth brentford barnsley and swansea i didn't know that they make a big huge game out of uh who's going to earn that final spot in the premier league but what a fun event to go to if you have the opportunity to which none of us do currently but uh what a riot that's got to be. Even if you're not a fan of one of those teams, the yeah. energy in that stadium. And yeah. if you're one of those players, you're basically fighting for your life. It's like, this is your opportunity to go play in the EPL. Emphasis if on you, the word fighting. They kick yeah. each other up and down the field. It's awesome. It's a much more if, physical league. If you and need any more motivation <laughs> than a an opportunity to play in the EPL, you're playing the wrong sport. Go out there and beat each other up. Yes. Love it. Looking forward to next week. A lot of big games. The biggest that we have picked out. Serie A, AC Milan versus Atalanta, May 23rd at 1.45 p.m. That's our game of the week. We're going to ask that you watch that game along with us so that when you tune in next week, we break it down. You know what we're referencing when we're talking about it. Boys, why is this game such a big deal? I'm secretly, not so secretly, a Milan fan. So there's that. The Rosso Neri. Let's go. 
Uh, but also, this has major top four ramifications. If Milan beat Atalanta, they are most certainly in the top four. Uh, if Atalanta win, Juve could just sneak right past Milan. So very important for Milan, very important for Ibrahimovic, who is trying to just keep that stellar career going, going, going. And I'm super excited to watch this game. Italy tends to be super tactical, so you may have no idea what's going on in this game, and that is exactly what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge chance that it's most likely if you lose this game, you're not going to go to the Champions League. So it's 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 must-watch soccer. So best matchup of the weekend, and it comes down to the final day. Yes. Awesome. Love it. Looking forward to watching that one, along with all the other big games this coming weekend. Speaking of which... The Fire are playing Inter-Miami at Soldier Field Saturday, May 22nd at 5 p.m. And who is going to be going to that game? Yes. Brady Brady and and I are going. Yeah, baby. My first time as a season ticket holder. I cannot wait. Uh, I've had these tickets for a year and a half now, and (laughs) this is my first time to use them. So I'm super hyped. And so hopefully Brady and I could bring back a win because we need it. Mm. Um, And we are going to be hitting up the Tottenham bar, the Atlantic as well, we've decided. So it's going to be a ton of fun. uh, And then we're going to just kind of cruise our way down uh, to Soldier Field. So, you know, I'm very excited to go to this bar. Like, despite being a Liverpool fan, it is one of the best experiences in soccer in the city. And it's going to be a blast. So super, super pumped. Yeah, you guys are going to have a ton of fun. Please do bring home a W. Brady, if you can yell loud enough at the players to coach them from where you're at, that would be perfect. I will be yelling at Wiki to then yell at the players. <laughs> there you That's go. That's how it will work. <laughs> it's all, it's just, it's just got to be him. As soon as he hears, he'll be like, that guy, he knows, and we'll switch <laughs> it up. Other games that are happening this week. There's a lot of big games happening. We're going to stick to the English Premier League mainly because it all comes down to this last week. Each team plays two games, final showdowns. The big games that have Champions League spots um, or that will determine Champions League spots, Chelsea versus Leicester City, May 18th at 2.15, Liverpool versus Burnley, May 19th at 2.15. And the last game for all teams, May 23rd at 10 a.m. The must-watch games uh, for that, if Champions League is down to the wire, is Leicester City versus Tottenham, Chelsea versus Aston Villa, and Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. That sounds like a good day to sit on the couch and watch soccer all day. What's important to note there is if if Liverpool have a bust against Burnley, then the final day, unfortunately, isn't going to be as entertaining. What's great about the final day of the EPL and most leagues in Europe, though, is they start all the games simultaneously. Most of the channels that have these games too have like a like a goal watch type show where it hops around and kind of keeps track, especially if the race is tight. Uh, normally what you're watching is who can win the title. Maybe it's between two teams or three teams, but obviously this year, the focus is going to be on qualifying for Europe and there are going to be Europa league impact like games as well. So I think 
sit down, like watch the games, watch the game before and after to see who qualif- who's going to be playing in the final of the championship playoff. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening or in the afternoon, watch uh, the Serie A game with us. It's going to be a great day for soccer. Heck yeah. Yeah, baby. And in the MLS, we also have uh, outside of the fire game, uh, Sounders versus Atlanta United on May 23rd at 3.30. Brad, why should people tune in for that one? The Sounders are possibly the best team. Well, I'm going to put it. They're the best team in the MLS right now, and their shape change has absolutely worked, and they haven't even really played their best player yet. So they're awesome. Atlanta's still trying to figure it out, but I just think that they're going to provide a good matchup against the Sounders, but I think the Sounders should be able to win it. I also want to shout out to a game on Saturday. Saturday. It's New York City versus Columbus. I think that's two teams that want to have the ball. So the battle in the midfield will be pretty intense. Uh, So just two games I want to shout out there. Cool. Excellent. A lot of impactful games coming up this weekend. A lot of tuning in on the telly. Closing thoughts for everything coming up. Unrelated to soccer. But we had a friend of ours, Brian Doherty, feed us dinner this evening. Yeah. Uh, He is a professional uh, sandwich maker, Dope Sandwich, at Dope Sandwich. Uh, He's got a food truck that you can follow him around and eat his delectable sandwiches. Yeah, those were really good. Those were quite delicious. The amount of cheese to everything else was just the way I like it. Ooey gooey. Yeah. Chef kiss. It is fantastic. (laughs) Which one did you guys have? Because I had, had the chicken today. That was very yeah, good. Mediterranean had, yeah, Mediterranean chicken. Yeah. I went to uh, his opening and I had the Cuban and it was fantastic. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. Excellent. I do love a Cuban. Yeah. 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 Trying this, I'm excited to now try everything else. Did you Did you do it proper, Brad, and heat it up in a pan? Mm-hmm. Good. Yes. Got to. Got to. My closing thought is... Dave's Correction Corner. Okay. Uh, Dave's Correction Corner. Uh, Real quick, the championship playoff games are actually on Saturday, May 22nd, and not Saturday, May 23rd, on opposite sides of the final games. I know. Just makes a lot more sense the other way, but that's not what's going on. Good for me and Brady, though, when we're at the bar on the weekend, and we got to watch the exciting games, so... Not not the end of the world. Sorry, the fans, though. So Brentford is playing Bournemouth at 6.30 a.m. on Saturday, May 22nd. Swansea plays Barnsley at 12.30 p.m. on May 22nd as well. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you, Dave. Just just don't let it happen again. I know. (laughs) Three strikes and you're out is what I've been told. Thank you to every one of our listeners. As always, email us at windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. If you have comments, questions, concerns, ideas of things we should talk about, anything that you want to tell us, feel free to reach out. Brad, if people want to reach out directly to you, where can they find you? I am at stat underscore bro. Nice. (laughs) Dave, if people want to reach out to you, how can they do such a thing? I am at WCW Dave, Windy City Wingers Dave on Twitter and Instagram. Nice. 
Excellent. Thank you, as always, everyone. Greatly appreciate your ears. And we will hear you next time. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say see you next time, but that's not it. So you can say that. Okay. I'll say that. Tickle your eardrums in a week. Something weird like that. I don't know. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for your ears. And we will speak into those ears again next week. Your ears are hot. (laughs) We'll see (laughs) you.